Grace be to you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn our attention to our gospel lesson for this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 15. As we see the, the words and the actions of Jesus help us answer that question, who did Jesus come to save? We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a lot of tension in our world today. People seem to want to argue about anything and everything. Politics always has been divisive, but it's even more so in our world today. People are divided over race, even though there really is only one race, the human race, to which we all belong, all different shapes and sizes and colors, but all humans. People are divided over what to say and do about the virus. Even though experts admit that they really don't know a whole lot about it, everyone thinks their opinion is right, and if you don't agree with them, they might call you names or cancel you. Satan must be very pleased as he sees what's going on in our country today and all the division, something that we shouldn't really be surprised at, something we would expect when more and more people make themselves their feelings, their opinions, more important than God, more important than his word. You might tend to think that, well, it must have been different in Jesus' day. It must have been a lot better in Jesus' day. Was it? We're told that Jesus left that place. The place was Galilee the place we've been hearing about, where Jesus was doing all of those miracles and all that teaching that we've been looking at over the past few weeks. The reason he left was that Pharisees and teachers of the law, Jewish leaders from Jerusalem, came all the way up to Galilee to stir up some trouble against Jesus. The specific incident that's recorded at the beginning of the chapter is that these Jewish leaders accused Jesus of not making sure that his disciples followed the tradition of the elders regarding ceremonial washing of their hands. After all, if you went out to the marketplace, you were sure to encounter sinners, Gentiles, unbelievers. And when you came back home, you surely didn't want any of that unbelieving filth to stick to you. And if it did, if you didn't wash it off, how could God bless you or how could God bless your food? The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day were among the most judgmental and prejudiced people who ever lived on earth. Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy he tried to get them to see what we all need to see. If you're trying to, to pluck out a little speck, a little sawdust in someone else's eye, well, it might be that you've got a whole two-by-four in your eye. He wanted them to understand, he wants all of us to understand that before you th think about judging somebody else, you first need to judge yourself. And God doesn't say, just judge yourself better than someone else. He says, judge yourself according to my law. 
My law says, don't just be better, be perfect. Keep all of my commandments, keep my whole law absolutely perfectly. When you do recognize that that's what God says, you join Paul in saying, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God sees everyone as the same, as equally sinners, equally deserving his punishment, his eternal punishment. Unfortunately, the Pharisees and teachers of the law didn't get it. And since the time for Jesus to to suffer hadn't come yet, he withdrew. He went to the area of Tyre and Sidon, to a Gentile area. He went to an area that was known for very disgusting forms of idol worship. Think back in Bible history a little bit. 700 years earlier, Queen Jezebel. She was queen of the northern kingdom of God's people. She was the daughter of the king of Sidon. She was the one who was trying to enforce worship of Baal and make it the the national religion of God's people in northern Israel. She was the one who was executing as many of God's prophets as she could find and put a price on the head of the prophet Elijah. That's the background of that area. So, think of it. Jesus was being accused of not being Jewish enough because he wasn't making his disciples follow the traditions of the elders. And then he leaves and leaves the country, goes to the area of Tyre, cited a Gentile area. Not just by his words, but also by his actions. Jesus was showing that he was not going to be ruled by hypocritical opinions, the opinions of others. But he was determined to show God's love equally to all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. When he arrived, a Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me. What would Jesus do? Again, some more background to the idea here. When the people of Israel came out of Egypt into the land of Canaan, God got gave them the command to completely destroy all of the Canaanites. Don't let anyone alive. And he warned them that if they didn't do what he commanded and wipe out all the Canaanites, they would surely lead God's people away from the true God to worship idols, and they would be a thorn in their side forever. Well, if you remember your history, God's people didn't end up wiping out all of the Canaanites. And they did lead many people away from the true God to worship disgusting idols like Baal, Queen Jezebel. And they were a constant problem for God's people. So would Jesus hold that past history against this woman because she was a Canaanite? At first, it seems like he was, right? She's crying after him, and he's completely ignoring her. 
And then the disciples come and say, well, just send her away. And then finally Jesus says something. He says, well, I'm the Messiah and I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when she persists and keeps begging, he tells her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Wow. If that's the only part of the Bible that you read about Jesus, you'd have to come to the conclusion that he was extremely mean, that he was racist. But that's not the whole story, is it? Why was Jesus silent? The answer we usually give is he's testing this woman's faith. Probably. He knew she had faith. He knew what kind of faith she had. Not only because he's the son of God and he could see into her heart, but by the way that she addressed him. She came to him and said, Lord, son of David. Just think of that. The Jewish leaders had just tried to stir up trouble against Jesus and they refused to say that he was Lord, son of David, the promised Messiah, and this woman, a Gentile, confesses, Jesus, you are the Lord, you are the son of David, you are the promised Messiah. In some way or another, she had heard the promises of the Old Testament. She believed that God was going to send a Messiah, that he would be the son of David, and she believed that Jesus was that person. Was Jesus testing her faith the way that he tested Abraham's faith when he said, go sacrifice your son? Probably, but there was more to it than that. He was also testing his disciples. He wanted to see. Had his disciples learned anything from that incident that had just happened? Where the Jewish leaders have accused them of not being Jewish enough because they didn't go through all of the ceremonies of the elders. Had they heard what Jesus said? That what goes into the body doesn't make you unclean, but what comes out? It's out of the heart that unclean things come. God's not primarily concerned about your outward washing. He's concerned about what's in your heart. How would they react to this Gentile woman coming to Jesus? Would they consider, as as those Jewish leaders would have been, that she was an unclean sinner, a dog? How would they respond? Well, we heard that they came to Jesus and said, send her away. What does that mean? It's a little hard to tell. It could mean, I suppose, that they didn't think she was worthy of Jesus' help and so just send her away. But most people are of the opinion that it meant something else. That it meant, come on, Jesus. Do what she's asking. Help her out so she can stop begging. So why didn't Jesus do that? Why did he continue? Even after the disciples encouraged him to help her, why did he just seem to indicate that, well, you know, I kind of want to, but I can't because I'm the Messiah for the Jewish people and, and you're not a Jewish person? It wasn't just for her benefit, not just to test her faith. 
was to show the disciples and us and everybody who would read this incident in the future the strength, the greatness of this woman's faith. In fact, it's very interesting as you read through the Gospels that there are only two times when Jesus said, hey, look at this person. They are an example of great faith. Never was it one of the disciples. One was this woman, Canaanite, Gentile. The other one was the Roman centurion. Two people in the Bible that Jesus says, here's an example of great faith. And he wanted to see us to see this woman's faith. So what was so great about her faith? Well, unlike that Jewish leader, Nicodemus, who did come to Jesus but did it at night so no one would know, and didn't publicly confess Jesus until after he died, this woman, a Gentile, came up to Jesus and publicly in front of everyone confessed, Jesus, you are the son of David. You are the Savior. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God and you have the power. I trust that if you just say it, my daughter will be healed from afar. When God seems to be silent, what do many people do? The Bible tells us that when God was silent and wouldn't answer King Saul, he turned to the witch of Endor, the mediums and spiritists. Many people in our world today, if God doesn't seem to be answering the way they would like or as quickly as they would like, when he seems to be silent, they just give up. Say, well, God must not exist. Or if he does, well, I guess he's not interested in me or either he doesn't want to or he's not able to do what I'm asking. They just give up, but not this woman. She didn't give up. She persisted. She fell at Jesus' feet and she worshipped. She said, have mercy on me. Help me. When people put you down because of who you are or where you came from, what are you tempted to do? You get angry. You want to call them names, you accuse them of being racist. But again, not this woman. She didn't give up. She fell at Jesus' feet and she worshipped. She showed the true humility that comes from faith. The humility of knowing that None of us deserve anything from God. We're sinful. We only deserve his punishment, not his help. And she threw himself on his mercy. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Help me, even though I don't deserve it. If someone implied that you weren't worthy of getting what you were asking for, because you were part of the wrong group of people, wouldn't you just go off in a huff? But again, not this woman. She said, yes, Lord, I know I'm not worthy. I know I don't deserve it. But even little house dogs like me are happy to get crumbs that fall from the table. I'm happy, Jesus, for anything. Just a little crumb. And I'll be thankful for that. 
Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you, just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. What did the disciples learn? What do we learn from this incident that the Holy Spirit decided needed to be recorded for us in the Scriptures? The very pious, outwardly religious Jewish leaders failed to see that Jesus was the Lord, the Son of David, the promised Messiah. They judged that he wasn't Jewish enough. He didn't follow all of their customs and traditions. They let their cultural pride cause them to reject Jesus and to keep the gospel from others. That's always a danger, always a temptation for those of us who've always been in the church. Something to watch out for. The disciples heard Jesus, reminded the Jewish leaders that it's what's in the heart that matters. It doesn't matter about all these ceremonial washings, all these traditions. That's not the most important thing. And certainly, it doesn't matter where you come from or what your color is. Then they witnessed this great faith. Certainly, they must have realized that if they would have been in that woman's shoes, they would not have been displaying that kind of great faith. And she was a foreigner, a Gentile. Would Jesus come to save? It's obvious, isn't it? He came to save everyone. One, no matter who they are, no matter where they came from, no matter what their cultural background, no matter what their ancestors may or may not have done, no matter what their color, Jesus came to save everyone. Everyone needs a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came to save the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus, not counting his sins against them. God, our Savior, wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible clearly says it, and Jesus clearly showed it by both his words and his actions. You know what that means? Jesus came to save you. There's no reason for you ever to doubt that. Jesus came to save you. You're a human being, a sinful person, living in a sinful world. And the Bible very clearly states that that's exactly who Jesus came to save. Jesus came to save you. You're not an exception. As the disciples learned this lesson, we see as we look through the Gospels that they brought some Greeks to talk with Jesus. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, we hear that Philip went to the chariot of the Ethiopian and shared Jesus with him. And then he went to Samaria and preached the Gospel in Samaria. We hear that Barnabas went to Antioch, just north of Tyre and Sidon, and helped people there 
carry out a ministry focused on reaching the Gentiles with the gospel. And the Apostle Paul, we heard, is called by God to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and he preached the gospel in Turkey, in Macedonia, in Greece, in Italy, and very likely all the way to Spain. Like this Gentile woman. God has graciously brought us to see that we are sinners who don't deserve anything from God but his punishment. And like this woman, God has graciously brought us to see that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Lord, the Son of David, the one who lived and died to pay for our sins and who rose again from the dead. He fills us with joy and gratitude as each day we see that he gives us a lot more than just crumbs falling from his table. What a blessing it is to know that Jesus came to save everyone. He came to save you and everyone you meet. Let that fact govern the way that you treat everyone that you meet every day. Jesus came to save all. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.